At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome back to this week's edition of Political Breakfast from WABE. Always good to have you here listening. Theron Johnson, our political strategist, is here. And in for Brian again this week is Martha Zoller. Good to see both of you. Good morning. Good to see you as well, Lisa. Man, Brian must be making a lot of money, huh, Lisa? He can take two weeks off in a row. I mean, I want to I want to get some of that paper. Uh, uh-huh. you know. See, that's the story. That's the story. Yeah, next, next week's discussion. He, it's that long Republican money uh, in Georgia he's, he's getting. Where is Brian? Absolutely. But, yeah, always a pleasure to see you, Martha, and have you here. And, and Darren, you've been jet-setting around the country, haven't you? I did. I took a little quick weekend getaway with my wife um, and uh, family and and back. But it was good. But also, Lisa saw you actually visited somewhere uh, this week as well. Your son is is now an NFL player, right? Yeah, he's hanging in there with the Steelers. So we were up there for a preseason game. And uh, yeah, all is well. Keep my fingers crossed. You know how that goes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna put it in the air. He's gonna make it. I, I feel he's gonna it. make he'll be, it. He'll be he's fine. gonna make it. He's gonna make it. Um, I was hoping to start talking about um, this article I read in the Jolt, and I, I know both of you have seen it as well. And it, really interesting article regarding uh, Stacey Abrams, who uh, who is running for Georgia governor. Uh, it reported that at an appearance last week, and she basically said, if black men vote for her, that will give her the advantage. And what is the makings of a very tight race? And just wanted to get your thoughts on that because, you know, I'm just still taken aback that that she possibly could not be resonating with black voters in general. So, Theron, can you kick off the discussion? Um, you know, what was your reaction to that article and specifically her calling out um, you, black men? <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, Lisa. But the first thing I would say is uh, surprise. And I'm I'm not surprised, and I think the Abrams team is not surprised as well, because I believe that if you look at the African-American vote, particularly the men vote in Georgia, um, there has really been some interesting, interesting statistics that a lot of people have been following, including myself. Um, but I've said many times on this podcast, Lisa, that black women in particular are the backbone of the Democratic Party. And so black women have continuously always showed up to vote for all Democratic candidates. But I pulled some numbers and, you know, I love to go get numbers and and look back on where we've been in Georgia. And I'm just going to focus on the black men versus white men sort of scenario here. So in 2018, um, Brian Kemp got roughly about 11 percent, maybe 12 percent of the black male vote. So Abrams got roughly about 88, 89 percent. In 2020, 83 percent of black men voted for Joe Biden and roughly about 16 percent. 
uh, voted for Donald Trump. Uh, and then in 2021, in the runoff, which we know sent two U.S. senators to Washington, uh, African-American men voted 90% for Warnock and 10% of them voted for Leffler. And I did not pull the Ossoff number, so I'm sorry, Senator Ossoff. I know you and your team listen to this podcast, but we'll we'll talk about you in maybe a few years when you're on the ballot. Um, but if you look at that, Lisa, to me, that's very telling. And you see that there is a fluctuation of black male votes. Now, uh, just to give our listeners sort of in, inside of what white men have done in this in this uh, state is that Abrams in 2018 received 25 percent of the white male vote where uh, Brian Kemp got, you know, 73, 74 uh, percent of that vote as well. And then in 2020, Joe Biden received 27 percent of white men and um, and 72 percent of white men voted for Trump. And then, of course, 2021, just to focus on Warnock because he's on the ballot. White men, 20% voted for Warnock, 74% voted for Leffler. So I wanted to kind of give those stats really quickly to set what I'm about to say. Stacey Abrams' path to victory is not just on the backs of black men. It's really on the backs of a new coalition of Georgia, which she's got to build. And it's not a 2018 or 2020 or 2021 coalition. It is really got to consist of a lot of different demographic groups that she's got to figure out a way to motivate. And I think that she's doing that. But let me focus on black men, Lisa, because that's what that's what your question was. So if you really talk to a lot of black men in the state of Georgia, uh, and, I've, and I spent an enormous amount of time asking them about this race, this Abrams versus Kemp race, and I hear a mixture of things. And, you know, Saba Long really took it there a couple of weeks ago when she talked about uh, what she's hearing as far as the Abrams campaign really sort of starting to ramp up their outreach to electics, all right? But if you really listen closely to what Saba was saying, Lisa, and I did, I went back and listened to that podcast when I was on the plane, is that I would assume, not to put words in Saba's mouth, but a majority of those elected officials that have not had that direct contact with Abrams' campaign, I would assume the majority of them are African-American male leaders. So the good news is, is that what I'm hearing from my sources is that Abrams now is spending an enormous amount of time cultivating these relationships with these leaders. All right, so check. But when you get outside of that, it's really kind of broken down into how do you describe black men? Because what she's done in this article, she puts a lot of pressure on us. And what she's sort of saying is, if black men just were to turn out in the numbers that we need them to, comparable to black women, then more Democrats will be elected all across the country. But particularly what she's saying here in Georgia is that I will be governor of Georgia if black men turn out. So black men are going to take that one of two ways. I think we're going to answer the call and we're going to say, you know what? All right. We need to make sure that we are registered, make sure we turn out and support this Democratic candidate for governor. Or we're going to say, well, hold on. What has she really done to earn our vote? You know, what, what, what has she really talked about that resonates with us? And I do know for a fact that those conversations are being had now. But what I also have heard from some of the elected officials across the state, Lisa, is that if you get into some of the rural areas, the black men, particularly 45 and older, are all in with Stacey Abrams, right? They're, we're, we're go. Of course we're going to vote for her. But in the metro area, right, you hear this term we talk about all the time, Atlanta influences everything, where I think the challenge and the opportunity for the Abrams campaign is to go and talk to the 50 and younger black men like myself. And yes, Martha, uh, I know you've known me for a long time, but I'm, I'm still in my mid-40s, uh, even though I look like I'm in my 20s uh, with this good skincare <laughs> yes, that I get do. from my wife yes, area uh, now and then. <laughs> 
Um, oh yeah, she's beautiful. <laughs> but the it, it's it's got to be the message to us, right? And, and when I say us, meaning that I'm in the metro area, and there where that that is where I think the that the opportunity and the challenge is. And then lastly, I know Martha will hit on this. Look, we, this is a podcast where we keep it real. We know that Governor Brian Kemp came into this election in 2018 with some pretty good relationship with black men. Since he's been governor, he's not only appointed a lot of black people to the judicial bench, but he's cultivated a lot of relationship with pro-business black men. His campaign, um, and I have no way of knowing this, Martha can probably, you know, take us in, but I'm sure that they see the same numbers that the Abrams campaign does. So ultimately, to sum all that up, Lisa, is there an opportunity for black men to do better in this state and vote for candidates that include Stacey Abrams? Absolutely. But we also got to make sure that we go down the ticket. You got Reverend Raphael Warnock. You got William Bodie. He was on the ticket as well, who are black men. Um, but I will be very interested to see, and this is what I would say in closing, is if Abrams is telling black men to show up and vote for her, then my question back to the Abrams campaign, and if I were to have the opportunity to talk to Stacey Abrams, I would say, well, where does the black male vote fit in your voter turnout model? Because have you built a model of turnout that includes our significant gains? Like, do you need that increase from us to win? And if the answer to that question is yes, then I would like to say, okay, well, what are the things in the polling that are showing you that black men want to hear more from you? And then how can black men validate those messages and help amplify? So the question I keep wanting to understand is, was the black male sort of challenge in your polling in December when you decided to run or did you ignore it? Or is it something that goes into your overall plan to say, all right, now in August, I got to make sure that I'm getting those numbers up because it fits into my voter turnout model. Those are questions that I don't have the answer to, Lisa, but I've been in enough campaigns to know that you, you can't just say, hey, I need this demographic to vote for me. And if they vote for me, I'll be governor. And that is true. I mean, we if our numbers increase, we will we she will she will have a really good chance of winning. And we also know that, Lisa, if if registered voters who are Democrats or who are likely to vote Democrat were to just vote, then that helps Stacey Abrams win, too, because there's over nine hundred thousand black people in the state of Georgia that did not vote in 2020 or 2021. So, again, very complicated issue, but the good news is I hear that the Abrams campaign are having a lot of meetings, particularly focusing on black men. I hear that the black men that have been in those meetings have come out very encouraged to what they heard. But the question is, will you continue to put the resources there to activate a voter demographic that you say is very key to you winning? And, I'll, and we'll just have to wait and see if she does that. Martha, let's let's bring you in here. Uh, what was your takeaway from from that message that uh, that Stacey Abrams sent last week regarding black men and and possibly black women, where you know the, the feeling is there's a disconnect there as well. You know, it seems to me that there is a. Um, you know, I appreciate that people are giving Stacey Abrams that she didn't decide to run until December and she's cultivating these relationships now, but the question needs to be. This is something that's been on her mind for a long time. She's had organizations in place for this entire time. Why is she just working on it now? Or is she just working on it now? And she's been working on it all along and it hasn't worked, whatever she's done. So, you know, this concern predates Stacey Abrams, though. We've had 
uh, a couple, it started, I think, with the election of President Barack Obama, who reached out to a lot of people that were black, white, and brown men, because a large number of white men voted for Barack Obama, okay? And they felt like they were being left behind. Um, President Trump hit on this too. He made black, brown, and white working men feel like he heard them, because we've been telling those men, black, white, and brown, that what they do is not valuable, that somehow this society doesn't value their work-a-day kind of life, and, and President Trump tapped into that. And so we've started to see this sort of increase in black men voting a little more independently from black women. We've seen this over the last several election cycles. It has bounced around a little bit, like Theron has said, but it's been going in the little more conservative direction. Uh, and I know there's there's talk among my Democratic friends, as well as strategists that I talk to, that there's concern about that. There is concern about that. So I, I think that um, I... I think she's starting a little late. I think she got in a little late. I know everybody thinks the campaign is from Labor Day to election, and it is, but you got to do the work before that. And to Theron's point, Governor Kemp has been cultivating all Georgians for his entire election. Sure, I mean, his entire term. Sure, you can point to certain things that were for the Republican base, okay? And they're out there because everybody's got to do that, right? If Stacey gets elected, she's going to have things she does for her Democratic base. But all in all, what you've seen from Brian Kemp is a desire to, to reach out. And I do think there will be a difference between how African-American men vote for Stacey Abrams and vote for Raphael Warnock. I think that, that he's going to be stronger with African-American men than, um, than Stacey Abrams will be. But the question will be, what is the Herschel Walker impact? And I know we're not talking about that right now, and we'll talk about that at another time. I just find it interesting that Stacy really didn't, and I'm going to say it, it's a hard truth. She didn't spend much time in Georgia in the last four years. She did a lot of other things all around the country. When she had her book tour, she didn't do a single stop in Georgia for her book tour when it came out. You know, I think that she assumed that she would be the front runner because Brian Kemp only beat her by a few thousand votes. And I think sometimes when you assume things, you don't do all the work you need to do to get where you need to go. There are a lot of people want this to work for Stacey. Uh, is she playing catch up at this point? And, and is she, I don't know, entering this late in the game, trying to cultivate these, these relationships that, that Martha's referring to? Ooh, that Martha Zoller is good. She knows how to back me into a corner. <laughs> now I got to defend, Lisa. So now, you know, I, I gave a very, what I thought, you know, sort of honest... <laughs> Statistic driven, but no, look, uh, that's why this podcast people listen to it, right, Lisa? All right, so let's go there. I, it goes back to what I said. All right, Stacey Abrams jumps in the race in December. Again, I don't know this because, you know, I wasn't, I'm not that, you know, involved in the campaign, but I believe that you don't jump in a race and you don't poll. Martha knows this. Martha's run for office. I've never run for office. So the question remains. Let's just take a I'm not going to even let Martha bait me into what Stacey's been doing the last four years because that's a smart move on her part. I do think that she's always remained a Georgian. She's been fighting for Georgia. Uh, voting rights has been a very pivotal issue that she's um, been fighting on. So, so Martha, you know, you and I can have a whole conversation about what Stacey Abrams was doing before she decided to run for governor. But where Martha hit on, and I want to come back to this in a second, uh, about Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock, and also Fitz Johnson, uh, and also Calvin King, and others, all right, and Vernon Jones. But I'll come back to that in a minute, Lisa. 
But the question is this. All right, when you polled in December or January, when you got in the race, where were you with black men at that point? And again, I don't know this don't answer this question. So it goes back to what Martha said. Okay, so then if you knew that there was a challenge or an opportunity to cultivate better relationships with them, I would assume that the Abrams campaign focused on that, right? And I believe what she did, Lisa, is that she has been doing a lot of work across the state that we and Political Breakfast probably not that uh, aware of because, you know, we primarily focus on the 29 metro county areas. But if you saw it in December, January, February, that this number was something that you need to focus on, then what have you been doing up until now, August, right? And I think there's been some work done. But to, but to get back to what Martha said, is that I do think that Stacey is very intellectual. She's been in many campaigns before, and she has a really good team. What they're also doing now by focusing specifically on this black male vote is because we don't know what's going to happen in November, because we have something in Georgia that's never happened before. We have a black man, Herschel Walker, who is the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate, right? You had Vernon Jones, who was unsuccessful, but ran for Congress in a very conservative district in Georgia. You had Kelvin King, first-time candidate, run for U.S. Senate against Herschel Walker in a primary. And now you have Fitz Johnson, and I know to be continued when this PSC race will happen, but he is a Cobb County resident that was appointed by Governor Kemp, a black man running for the Public Service Commission. For our listeners, that is a statewide constitutional uh, office that you have to get elected for. So what I'm sure the Abrams campaign campaign manager and team is up late night trying to figure out is will there be an increase of black men coming out to vote because now you have Warnock, Walker, and Fitz Johnson on the ballot and you also have William Bodie uh, who's the labor commissioner candidate. So if if it's, if she's able to create a wave, Lisa, if she's able to actually increase the number of black men coming out because I think we would think that more black men would want to come out to support black men running for office because that's what usually happens when, you know, people in the gender group see other people, when particularly women do that a lot. Um, but also Martha's kind of shaking her head because sometimes Martha as a candidate, one of the hardest demographics for women to convince to vote for them are women, right? So, so I, I, I just think that the turnout model, I go back to the turnout model, Lisa. If you know you got Herschel Walker on the ticket, you got Warnock, you got William Bodie, you got Fitz, and Martha, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not missing anybody, right, that are black men who are on the ballot in November on the, on the statewide constitution, yeah, uh, congressional level. Then you have a lot of other black women running. I don't want to get into that. Then will there be an increase or will it stay the same? And I would say this. If it stays the same, Lisa, and if and Abrams is not able to increase her model, um, then that's a challenge for her. But let me just say this, Lisa. You got to give me and some credit. And that's what she was saying. That's yeah. really what she was telegraphing. That's really what she's saying. I, okay, you know, she's I, telegraphing the numbers she's seen by making yeah. that statement. That wasn't an accident. No, no, no. And, but the question I have, Martha, is did she see it in January or February or did she see it recently, right? And then what did you decide to allocate your resources, right? And but, how long How long have you been discounting? I don't mean her. We do the. We make the same mistake on the Republican side. How long do we discount certain trends and then we end up getting behind them? And and not behind them in the way you move them forward, but we're behind in, in catching up. And that's that's a great question, Theron, because, yeah. you know, you know she's been spending the money on polling. I mean, I haven't looked at all of her expenditures, but she's had the money to do the kind of polling that you do to know exactly where you are. But last thing I'll say real quickly, Lisa, yes, Martha, I agree with you, is 
Martha, I mean, Lisa, you got to give me some credit. I've been saying on this podcast for the last few months that Democrats are better wake up. And I use that term wake up because Maynard Jackson, I said, what I've been saying, Lisa, you're taking the black male vote for granted. You can't take the black female vote for granted. We got to double down on why black people and brown people should vote Democratic. So now here we are in August and we're still having the same conversation. But here's the one thing that I think Stacey has on her side. She's two things she has on her side is that she has time, not much time. She has a little time and she's got the money. And so if she can reallocate her resources or, you know, or, or allocate her resources towards driving up the black male vote percentage for her and she has enough time to do it, then I think that is a part of her voter turnout model. But if I don't see the resources and the time and then the last thing is, who is the top validator on her campaign? Like, who is the most prominent black man in her campaign that's either in her campaign or external. And I and I want to say that state representative Al Williams down in the Brunswick, Southeast Georgia, because he's been with her for a very long time. But I don't, Lisa, I don't think you're going to be able to throw rappers out here this time. I don't think you're going to be able to throw entertainers out. I mean, I, you know, that's been kind of the strategy that Keisha used and Andre did a little bit of it. I don't know. You know, you, you bring Barack Obama back. Okay, that's going to help. That's going to help a lot. I mean, he's he's Barack Obama. You know, Oprah, We've seen that movie before, right? Now, Oprah just played a big role in in uh, in, in Maryland with helping Westmore uh, become the Democratic nominee. So what? So what are we going to hear new from the campaign? Like, how are you, who are you going to bring out to validate? Who's going to be the black male validator, Stacey Abrams, for your campaign? And and, and I well, think and who, that those who are, are the who are the big names there. And I mean, yeah. I I agree with you. I I go to a church where. I go to a church where our, our our sister church is Cascade United Methodist Church, and because of that relationship, I was able to have Joe Lowry on my show, the the late Joe Lowry on my show a couple times, and he famously said what he always said, you know, the Democrats take us for granted and the Republicans just take us. <laughs> so he said that. <laughs> but, but Lisa, she's got time. I know her campaign listens to this podcast. She's got time. She's got money. She's doing it. I'm hearing from multiple sources that she's specifically saying exactly what the AJC reported. Uh, she's cultivating these relationships, uh, but I'm waiting to see where is the money going to be allocated? How does it fit into your voter turnout model? And who will you empower to be your most prominent black man on your campaign that can actually bring the level of excitement and participation you need to win? And I think those are things that we'll see kind of play out in her campaign in the next few months. But Martha, why, why are we even having this conversation? 2018, uh, she came oh so close. Um, to me, she should really have all of this in the bag by now. Um, you know, and, and it's bothersome to a lot of people because, um, you know, as Saba indicated, she's she's not polling well with African-Americans in general. And where is the disconnect? How, I mean, you could talk about spending money here and there, but but where is that disconnect coming from? And, and, and why is it happening now at this stage of the game? Look, I, I don't know if it's just a disconnect with African-American men, okay? I think that there's also a disconnect, as I pointed out before, that, look, Stacey hasn't been elected to anything in eight years. Uh, when she uh, she was a state house representative for 57,000 people in a district that was 85% Democrat, her claim to fame and what I loved about her and still love about her, I think she'll still work with Republicans, is that she worked very well with Republicans. She managed kind of saving the Hope Scholarship. We haven't heard her talk more about that. She managed that along with Governor Deal. Uh, She probably will get into that as things get later on. But 
we haven't seen that Stacey Abrams in a long time. Uh, and I do think she was looking at bigger things. You know, I had a I had a boss when I was 22 years old who told me that I was going to be a great buyer one day. I worked for Riches if I ever got there. I was spending so much time looking to the next thing that I wasn't doing the job I was in well. I think Stacy, you know, and she, you know, I consider her a friend. She may not consider me a friend anymore, but I think she spent a lot of time looking past the Georgia governorship and didn't do the work in 19 and 20 that she needed to do to be ready for this. And and look, I'm not saying that as a person that dislikes her. I'm saying that as a person that if I were her consultant and I were telling, that's what I would have told her, that you got to keep your foot in Georgia is the same advice I used to give to to Senator Perdue. I said, you got to spend more time in Georgia. If you're going to run for an office in Georgia, you need to be seen in Georgia on a regular basis if you're in a statewide office. Darren, you good with that? Yeah. Look like you were biting Martha, your lip. Martha, Martha, no, no, Mar- Martha. See, Martha, be going it. I got to respond. Um, <laughs> I don't mind that you respond, Theron. No, no, no. We learn you, from each other. No, we, we're good for each other. You're right. We we definitely. No, look. Uh, let me just. Let, God, I'm trying to. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to speak for my black men out there. Let me just take it there, Lisa. This is why you know the, the our producer Christopher wants me to be raw, and I'm gonna be raw. Um, look, it, it's it's no secret. All right. I said this before, when you are a woman candidate, black, white, Hispanic, or Asian, Martha backed me on this, is that one of the hardest demographics to to convince to vote for you are, are women. Because, you know, I think women, you know, we saw with Hillary Clinton and Martha is shaking her head because I know she, she, all right, so let's go to if you are a black female trying to get black men to vote for you. It helps if you can relate to, to us uh, and things that we care about. And I want to say this, I've said this recently. I, again, I haven't seen the polling, but I got to think, Lisa, it's an economics message because if I was running for governor right now, hypothetical, I would go and say this. I would say black men, black women, because I think one of my hardest demographics to motivate to vote for me uh, would be black men as well, because, you know, there's a level of jealousy and envy and stuff that comes along with it. I mean, again, black women, I think, have consistently showed up and voted for black men running for office. And, and, and quite frankly, I think that's how Warnock is going to beat Herschel. But again, we're, we'll talk about Herschel later. But I would say this. I would say, all right, you know, Brian Kemp has been in office for four years, black man, and he had an opportunity to do A. And he chose not to do A. So if I was governor, not only would I have actually done that for you, but if you would let me governor, I will do B, and this will directly impact you as a black male citizen in the state of Georgia. And, 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 I'm, and I'm using that sort of formula to say that I think that's where she's going to have to hit. She's going to have to say that Brian Kemp has been in office for four years, and he has failed to deliver for black men. And she's got to anecdotally point out maybe three to four policy decisions that either he has made that disproportionately affected them in a negative way, or that he has not actually made, or he has not acted upon, that could actually benefit them. If she can articulate that and show the contrast that you have this man, the Republican governor in office, who is cultivating your vote as well, but he's failed to do these things, or he refuses to do them, or he has not done them, but I will do them, and make it plain, as my grandmother would say, and make it exciting, and make us feel a part of it, and it's tied to public safety, it's tied to education, and it's tied to economics. That's free advice, Lisa, that I usually don't give out um, much anymore because, you know, I'm all out of free in 2022. (laughs) But I think you got to start there. And then once you start there, 
then we're like any other demographic. We want to see the momentum. Because again, Stacey has time. We haven't, Brian Kemp really hasn't been hit yet. I mean, she's kind of been, you know, punching at him a little bit, but she hadn't really spent millions of dollars amplifying some negatives. I'm sure they're showing up. So she's got to get us excited. She's got to show the contrast about what we're getting versus what we could have, could get from her. And then I, I keep going back to this. You got to have the black men prominent in your campaign and externally, and they got to go talk to other black men and say things that we only say to each other in the barbershop, say things to each other that we only say, you know, when we're amongst ourselves and have those real conversations about this historic opportunity we have to elect this black woman Democrat as governor. And I think those things have got to happen. And not saying if they don't happen, she won't be victorious, but I definitely think she's got the money to do it. And I'm going to say this lastly. I'm very interested to see how much money is Stacey Abrams spending with black minority owned vendors in Georgia. Let me repeat that. I'm I'm very interested to see, are you spending your money with qualified, credible, effective organizations, companies um, that are in Georgia that have res- the, the name and the credibility um, with Georgia voters? Are you spending your money there? And then the last question I would want to know the answer to is um, if you're if you are spending your money there, then what has been sort of the effect of it? Because one of the things that I think you can do in campaigns is that you got to bring people inside, you got to get them involved, and I think she has the money to do it. But I don't know if she's effectively spending the money with Georgia-based minority-owned companies that have an established track record of winning in Georgia to help her with some of these challenges that she's having in her campaign. And I got to have the last word on that. You've got to have the last word. I got to have the last word on this, okay? Just that there is, I agree with everything Theron just said as far as the advice that he would give, but it is is astronomically harder against a governor that has had the kind of record that Brian Kemp has had up and down with appointment. I mean, the list is long. So it's, it's all good advice, but it's astronomically harder because of the kind of incumbent that we have. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Both of you uh, said his name, Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker. We haven't talked about him in a couple of weeks, but when we come back, just get an update on his campaign. There's a poll out that shows that he's lagging support from black voters. And and uh, Darren, you kind of mentioned that earlier. So we're going to talk about that briefly when we come back. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Political Breakfast. And today for Brian Robinson is Martha Zoller. Darren Johnson here as well. Um, Herschel Walker, 
Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker. Let's get an update on his campaign. We've been talking about uh, Stacey Abrams and the support or lack thereof from uh, black voters. And, and there's a poll showing that Herschel Walker is lagging when it comes to black votes. And at one point, the theory was he was going to take a lot of the black votes away from Senator Raphael Warnock. So um, any thoughts there um, as to where that race stands? Theron, I see you shaking your head. Let's begin with you. And I promise I'll be shorter this time, Martha. Um, that one is a whole different dynamic, Lisa, because you have a black man running against a black man. All right. So in the governor's race, black woman running against a white male. So now you got two black men running against each other. One uh, who voters know as a U.S. senator, a pastor, community advocate. The other one as a Georgia Hall of Famer, uh, hero amongst, you know, dog nation. And uh, is really, you know, a name that's synonymous with a lot of uh, Georgia fans because he, you know, he's he's I think arguably one of the best. I personally think Champ Bailey is the best uh, player to ever come out of the University of Georgia. Uh, but a lot of people will argue and say that Herschel Walker is. But uh, shout out to my boy Champ. He's a he's a dear friend. Um, so let's get you into. You always it, get it in. You always get it in. Yeah, there. yeah. He's, a, he's a, he listens to the podcast, Lisa. He, he's a supporter. Um, and I won't, you know, we, we've had some very uh, candid conversations about uh, Herschel. Um, so now when I talk to black people about Herschel Walker, I get two responses. Uh, one, I get, um, man, the videos I'm seeing, the, you know, the man, the way he's being attacked on TV about sort of quote unquote misleading the voters about his organization, you know, being a valedictorian from college and all these things that he said he did for vets and all these organizations, man, why is he even running? Then I get the other response is that, man, if you look at Reverend Raphael Warnock compared to him, I mean, they're two totally different people. But then there's, then there's another response I've been getting lately, and this is just a warning for the Warnock campaign. This ad that Herschel Walker has up with him being sort of, um, he's a football player, he's taking cheap shots, you know, he's getting his helmet knocked off, and, and he's direct to camera. Um, what he's doing, Lisa, is that he's really pay, he's playing up this sympathy vote for him, right? Like, you know, man, they don't even want me to run for office because I'm not a quote-unquote career politician. But I'm used to this. I'm Herschel Walker. I've, you know, I've taken the cheap shots, and I'm going to prevail. We better very, pay very, very close attention to what he's doing in that ad. So not shocked at all that black voters are are more likely to support Reverend Raphael Warnock because he is the black man that we want to see who wants to represent us. However, Herschel Walker is a black man as well who does represent a certain sector of black voters in this state. And some black voters are going to say, well, why not Herschel? Uh, yeah, he doesn't you know, do certain things that Reverend Raphael Warnock does, but, you know, he's running for office. He's 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 a Georgia, you know, Hall of Famer and and so revered. And so um, but but I but I but I talked to black women and I think therein lies the challenge for Herschel. Most of all the black women I've talked to, Lisa, uh, have the same response. And that is bless his heart. Really wish he wasn't running for office. Um, you know, I, I really I really don't know what he stands for. And, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to vote for Reverend Raphael Warnock. So I think therein lies the, 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 uh, the challenge for Herschel. But will Herschel Walker take some black men voters away from Reverend Raphael Warnock? Yes, because he's Herschel. Um, but ultimately, I think that's, that's the challenge for him. Look, African-American women, black women, they have been voting something like 97, 98 percent Democrat in just about anything you do. So they really fit the kind of Joe Lowry 
analogy that sometimes they get taken for granted, you know, because Democrats assume they're going to vote for him. And they do. They come out and vote for him. So I don't think that that's the group of people that you're going to see Herschel split off, because even though the polling shows some weakness among black voters, it does still show the race in a statistical tie. And so it's anybody's to win. And I don't think anybody thought on the Warnock side they would be there at this point in time with anybody's to win. Uh, So I think that African-American men, you know, he's not going to need to peel off that many to be able to win. Um, If it gets in that 10 to 15 percent range, I think it's going to be real close. (laughs) You know what I mean? The race will be real close. So I think that he's been more um, he's been more on message. He's more, you know, doing the whole, he's going to tie, he, basically the message is going to be, if you want more of what President Biden is doing, vote for Raphael Warnock. If you want somebody that's going to vote like a Republican, vote for Herschel Walker. That's going to be the message. That's what he's going to tie back to on everything. Um, and so I, you know, I think it's kind of an, it's really an interesting race. I don't know if we've ever had anywhere in the country, two black men running against each other. I think there's been some congressional races where that's happened. I think, in fact, Barack Obama, when he ran for Congress, I think he ran against a black man. But, but it's happened in Congress a few times. I don't know that it's ever happened for a Senate race before. I thought it would take the race card out of it, but it hasn't. And, um, you know, I'm disappointed with some of the ads, the ads with Herschel Walker and the kind of sweating boxer look with the mouthpiece in, which is clearly designed to scare people, you know, and and mainly scare <laughs> white women. That's why that oh, picture my. was put in there. Wow. Um, and Or at least that's what I believe. I find it very offensive because I thought we got past all of that. Um, and I think it's really hard for a pastor to run for anything because there are decisions he has to make and things he has to do that aren't very pastoral. And I understand that. I mean, you know, it happened for Doug Collins, too. When he went from being a lawyer, from a pastor to being a lawyer, he had to make some decisions about things he would do in races. So, um, look, it's been a good couple of weeks for Democrats. Uh, They've had some wins. I did think it was very interesting that uh, President Biden, in signing a $366 billion for climate change, is flying from San, South, South Carolina to Washington, D.C. to sign that. I think that sends a bad message. I think he should have been on his bicycle with the paper and sign it. That might be a better message. But um, look, it's been a good couple of weeks for Democrats, uh, even with however many million dollars it was last count was 25 million. It's still in the margin of error. So it's anybody's race. And um, I don't know that it affects the governor's race as much as the governor's race is going to impact the Senate race. Several weeks ago, Brian Robinson said that Warnock was in trouble. Remember that there? Do you find that to be the case today? Well, that's why Martha is my favorite Republican because, and I may get her in trouble for saying that, but um No, I mean, it's what Martha just said. Look, we've had a great few weeks as Democrats. And the frustration I have, Lisa, is that we need to amplify that. Um, You know, I do a monthly piece along with Brian Robinson and Georgia Tran Magazine. Uh, It's called Red, Blue, and You. And I talked about how the economy is going to play a very important role in Democrat success. But I also talked about exactly what Martha just said, and that is, is that Joe Biden's numbers are getting better. Now, let me be clear. Martha didn't say that all of a sudden he went from 30 to 80. And not that's not great, what she's saying. But, yeah, but he went from maybe 34 yeah. to 39, 40, right? <laughs> and, and so if up Biden is up. can... Up is yeah, up, he, right? 
Yeah, up is up, Lisa. And so if Joe Biden is able to keep that going leading into November, I agree with Martha. That helps Reverend Raphael Warnock out tremendously because what the Republican Party is doing and Herschel Walker will continue to do is tie him to Joe Biden. But no, Reverend Reverend Senator Raphael Warnock is not in trouble like Brian said, but he is aware that Herschel is doing better than a lot of us thought he would be doing. And I agree with Martha on that. And the one thing we haven't talked about lately is this debate. So what the Warnock campaign is doing with those ads is continuing to drive up the negatives. And these are all things that Herschel Walker will have an opportunity to answer questions on. I mean, if they're wrong, he'll be able to cite why they're wrong. But you also got to defend some of the things that have the third party validators. When you have reporters and other news outlets sort of confirming what Raphael Warnock is saying in his ads. But that that's, that's going to be the difference maker. And I want to say this, too. I think if Joe Biden is popular uh, come October, you will probably see him come to Georgia and the campaign is going to have to, well, both campaigns are going to have to figure out does that help or hurt him. But I think that if Joe Biden's numbers continue to, to grow, gas prices continue to go down, he continues to uh, sought, you know seek out and kill members of uh, Al-Qaeda and, and other people who are threatening this homeland. Um, if he deals, something, uh, deals with inflation uh, and get a couple more bills passed, uh, I think that could be the difference maker uh, in this race for Reverend Raphael Warnock. So, no, he's not in trouble, but he should and is aware of Herschel Walker's numbers, and they got to continue to drive them down leading up until November. Well, there aren't enough legislative days to really get anything else passed. They'll come back in September. There'll be a week off for Jewish holidays, and then the fiscal year starts in October, and they like to campaign in October. So, uh, I don't think much is going to happen on that front. Um, but look, I think it's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out. And I agree with Theron that if Herschel keeps doing those look in the camera ads where he tells his own story, it's he's good at that. And um, and it's something that is very personal, and not unlike what Reverend Warnock does when he does the talk in the camera ads. He's very good at those, too. Uh, I'm reminded of what Andrew Gillespie said right after the primary, where she said uh, Herschel Walker's like a lay pastor, where he's kind of rough around the edges, and Reverend Warnock is a polished pastor. And it's going to be real interesting to see how Georgia votes, because it's not going to take that many people extra to vote for Herschel Walker for him to win. He's got the easier task. Reverend Warnock has nowhere to go but down because he, of, of where he is, you know, where he is in this. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Martha Zoller is a talk show host on WDUN AM in Gainesville and conservative political strategist. Theron Johnson is a Democratic strategist, public affairs and government consultant, and most recently a senior advisor to the Biden Georgia campaign. Great talking with both of you always. Great insight. Martha, thanks for being with us. Uh, we, we hope to see you soon. I think Brian will be back next I week. I think so. <laughs> thanks for having me. I, I think, loved it. I think Brian will be here, but uh, we always I'm, enjoy I'm, I'm going to leave here. Brian along, and I want him to think I'm attacking him. Um, but no, great show, and, and go Uncle Joe. I'm, I'm telling you, Martha, he's getting he's getting better. He's 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 coming out of COVID. He's stronger than ever. He's he's gonna be he's gonna stronger be good than ever. Face. Though it's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Have thank a good you. week, y'all. 
from WABE Studios, the podcast where they read stories is a new children's storytelling podcast featuring notable Atlantans and performers reading classic and contemporary children's books. Each episode contains a story meant to entertain, inspire, and inform young listeners. No screens required. The podcast where they read stories features adaptations from both chapter books and picture books. Join us at WABE.org slash stories podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E. The world has changed from shifts in power to a mental health crisis. So with all this social change, how do we balance the human desire for empathy, the business need for productivity, and the hope to make an impact in our community? This is a new podcast, The Social Impact Leader. I'm Jeff Schinnebarker. Join me as we explore people doing work a little different. Available every Wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. W-A-B-E.